Welcome to the One in One Podcast, where below-average podcaster chats with an above-average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. Today's guest has the same initials as me, so you know it's going to be a good one. Becca Brzezewski played basketball at the University of Notre Dame from 2008 to 2011 and helped the Irish reach their first Final Four in 10 years at the time. Becca, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So you grew up in the Mecca for basketball, the state of Indiana. You're from Valparaiso. How old were you when you started playing basketball? Honestly, it had to be. I I like to tell people since birth, just because if there's a basketball around, it's going to be in your hands. But um, I remember organized sports being more so like first entry level was kindergarten. All right. So kindergarten, but you probably played before that. Oh yeah, well the the baby of four, you know, you're they're playing ahead of you anyway, so your parents are like, hey, go out there and be practice defense, practice this. So <laughs> I was definitely around it my whole life. <laughs> yeah, and as you mentioned, you have three older siblings, so I'm guessing they played basketball as well. Yes, all of them did. I have two brothers and a sister. So wow, how much of, younger are you yeah. than them? Um, we're all two years apart, so pretty just. Two by two by two by two. I don't know if my mom planned that or what, but um, (laughs) I was able to play varsity basketball with my sister in high school, so that was pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you probably got two years with her, right? So I started kindergarten late, so I only actually got one, boo, right? Oh, okay. (laughs) It's like a running joke in my family, like, "Eh, if you just would have drawn the line. I'm like, "Eh, whatever. (laughs) So two years with three grades. Yes. All right. I think it's better to start late. You, it's better to be the oldest than the youngest. Because then if you're the youngest, you know, you're, you're the youngest to hit puberty. You're the youngest to get your driver's license, to turn 21 and get to go to the bars. It's better to be exactly. older. Exactly. I was, I was pushing a whip early in high school, and I was, you know, 21 early in college. So we'll, we'll take it as, I, as it came. It was great. Yeah, that sounds good to me. I'd rather, I'd rather do that. So I know you were a really good volleyball player, too. Did you play other sports besides basketball and volleyball? Um, so growing up, I did do um, softball. I was a pitcher. Uh, oh, nice. Not really a, the, the biggest fan of that. And then my brothers, uh, instead of they, – they did basketball, and then their sport was cross-country and track. So sixth grade, we didn't have a volleyball team. So my dad was like – hey, I think you should do cross country. And I'm like, I hate running in general. Like, it's just for sure as the years have gone on, right, it's a form of punishment. And I was oh, like, why would sure I want to do distance running? Like, that's terrible. And he, he, he talked to me into how it would be better for basketball. I'd get me in shape. And I was like, okay, sure. So I ended up doing it one year. And then, thankfully, volleyball was seventh, eighth, and on. And that's what I stuck with. Nice. Less running in volleyball. Exactly. D- different, right? A lot of more jumping, diving, a little more action right off the bat in a smaller court right, rather than running away and then around and back. So, yeah, <laughs> exactly. I, def- I definitely enjoyed volleyball. <laughs> and I got to go back to your pitching in softball. Did you uh, lob it or, or were you a fast pitch? I was fast pitch. Oh, nice. The whole, I didn't do the grunt. You know, some people have the grunt going on. Oh, but yeah. <laughs> definitely the, the slapping of the, the mitt on the thigh and everything, yeah. I bet you had a pretty good fastball. Yeah, you know, you just throw it with rage. I, you know, I just, I use that sense of, like, sports is just, 
when you turn it up a notch, regardless of what you're playing in, you can do it bigger, faster, stronger, and just get through stuff. So probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> happening. It would have been pitching. Yeah. <laughs> and can you explain how big basketball is in the state of Indiana? I mean, I can try, <laughs> but I just think it's, and it's interesting because um, my husband now, he's from Alabama, so he doesn't really get it. And he's like, man, basketball is always on. We're always going to games. We're, and it's, it's not in a negative way. It's just he's just trying to go to, get to grasp around the fact of, like, this is life. This is what it is. I mean, I went to my brother's games. I went to my sister's games. I went to my middle school practice and or elementary school basketball practice that my mom would drop me off and I'd go to my sister's middle school practice where my dad was the coach. I mean, I was playing on her AAU team. I was going to my, it was just, it's consumed and it's just everywhere. And I just think there's no way, no real way to say, um, I guess if you're from another state, right? Like it's basketball, but I think just growing up and it's always around and it's what we know. It's just kind of the go-to game and you can play horse. You can play one-on-one three on three, right? There's, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many three on three tournaments I did growing up. And it's just, it's all different types of games, right? And it requires different skills and different things, but it's all surrounding basketball. And I think that's just what makes everyone love it. Yeah, for sure. It's really a way of life in your state. Absolutely. So Alabama, huh? He has bragging rights over you in the 2012 (laughs) national title game. It's true. And I I watched it, and it was awful, right? It was rough. (laughs) But uh, it's funny because he's always – I'm an Alabama huge – he's a huge um, Alabama fan, obviously. And then he's like, but Notre Dame would be my second choice. And I'm like, that's an excellent answer. (laughs) Nice. Being a good husband for that answer. Yes, the best. You mentioned basketball. Did you play AAU basketball as well? I did. Um, I think I started playing AAU in third grade, maybe. My dad was my dad was really influential, and he played basketball in high school. And um, he, he coached my sister and I both, and my mom would – and when, when our tournaments took us elsewhere, right, my mom would take my sister and my dad would take me. And it was almost every weekend growing up that when, when there was an AAU one, we were all in different cities or we were in different states. Then we'd call in and check in and be like, how'd you do today? How'd you do today? Dad gives the tough love. Mom gives the, the nice nurturing. It's okay. You can do it. Fight through it, right? <laughs> um, but I think AAU for me was um, – it didn't really turn up into like the college scene, like wanting that until uh, probably eighth grade. Then there was this AAU team that um, they had formally like reached out to me previously. And they were like, Hey, we think you'd be a perfect fit for our team. We're pretty selective. And my dad, it just was like a lot for us, obviously. Right. We had at that point one in college, one in high, two in high school. And then I was in, middle school so to kind of make the time commitment back and forth to South Bend where they practiced it was just a lot right so we're like no we'll stay where we're at and um, I remember we played them the next year and they blew us out I mean I couldn't I I remember I had like 26 of our 30 points and they beat us like 75 to 30 it was wow so right it was so bad 
And I just was so angry. And they came, one of the coaches walked by me and was like, hey, weren't you that girl we were trying to get on our team? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like kicking myself. This is, this is awful. Like I could have been there, you know? <laughs> so I think that next season they had reached out again and had a nice talk with my dad to kind of sort it all out. And I went there and it just, I mean, it, it just blew up. It was, it was awesome. I know yeah. at some point you played AAU with uh, Melissa Letleitner. Was that around that time or was that when you were older? No, so that's exactly the team that I ended up committing to play with and made the, made the travel to. And, uh, yeah, she was on the A team. And when I came on, they brought me on the B team to kind of, like, prove myself. And I was like, all right, okay, no big deal. You know, just lead by example, all new territory, right? I was the only one from... There's two girls, uh, myself and another one, uh, that were kind of from the outskirts, the rural area, not from within South Bend. And, I mean, I just remember going and being completely intimidated. And I think I was in, like, this goth phase where I had, like, black nail polish on and, like, my hair was dark. Because Leck remembers it to this day just being like, dude, you were, like, crazy. We thought you were, like, we didn't know what type of person was coming on the court. And I'm like, it's fair. That's fair. But... (laughs) It was definitely, it. I mean, we had the best team. By the time I was done with the first tournament, they had moved me back up. They had moved me to the A team. And we had that team. Well, I, I, that's, see, that's my thing. I just, the, my mindset was always like, I'm just going to prove it. I'm going to prove I deserve this. I'm going to prove I deserve to, maybe it's a move. Maybe it's more. Just, and I think it was always to myself that I could do it, but for sure to prove a point to others. Um, maybe that's just being the baby of four, right? Like I can hang with you. I can do what you do. Um, it's a good mindset to have. Yeah. And I think that's honestly why to this day, um, it's what got me through a lot of things. And, um, I mean, even, even now, right? Like crazy stuff happens all the time and you just kind of have to have the mindset of, I can do more, I can get through it. And then you look backward and you're like, holy crap, right? Like how, but. That AAU team we had, and I don't brag for sure about this because to this day, we still talk about the games and how awesome it was. And we had, I think it was eight or nine D1 players that ended up being that team. That's amazing. So, right. So we got to go to tournaments together. And like, I think it was like, it was just the prep before college, right? You're putting mm-hmm. all these pieces together from different areas. You're working together. You're the best in your spots and from your areas and your high school teams. But even here, it's more of a sacrifice because you have to be great, you have to be efficient, but you also have to play well together. And I think that's what really helped. And for sure, our practices were run like colleges, so it it helped tremendously. Yeah, that, that does help for going to college, especially a program like Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, and the crazy part about it is I, at that point, when I was still on the team, Melissa was already committed and... <laughs> It's funny because I think Matt McGraw still tells this story to this day that he recruited me because <laughs> I think there was a tournament in India. It was in, in Indiana somewhere, and Leck couldn't go because she it was a dance or something, and she thought she told Coach, but she ended up not telling her. So the game was about to tip off, and obviously, like, you know, the rest of the team is there. And I think Coach texted Leck and was like, hey, are you, like, in India? Like, where are you, what are you doing? And she was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot to tell you. And the interesting part was, is they stayed, they watched, they supported. And then afterward, I got a call from Lex that was like, Hey, coach saw you play. 
she really liked, you know, what you did, and I think she wants to talk to you more. And I was just like, I think my initial reaction was like, shut up. I mean, it was probably, knowing me, it probably wasn't that exact word, right? But I was just like, shut up. You got to be kidding me. So, yeah, I, it was um, Matt McGraw. Thanks. <laughs> right? Wow. Big question. Yeah. Was he wearing his leprechaun hat? I don't, I don't think so. That would have been too obvious, right? Especially <laughs> at like an AAU high circuit thing. It probably would have caused a scene, but... <laughs> In high school, you went to Wheeler High School, where you had an incredible basketball career and an incredible volleyball career. In basketball, you pretty much average a double-double in points and rebounds, 19 points, 10 rebounds, and you are ranked nationally as a small forward. And then in volleyball, you own the record for career kills and blocks in a single season. Oh, no, no, actually, you own the record for career kills and blocks, like, just in total, and then you also own it for a single season. And Wheeler won four sectional volleyball titles. You know, obviously, we know you go on to play basketball in college. But was there any interest in schools from volleyball for volleyball? There definitely was travel volleyball interest. But um, I, I knew basketball was my number one. And I knew that's where I really wanted to have my focus. Volleyball was something I, I honestly did for fun. But it, was, it became one of my – I think it really fought and tore up my heart to be my favorite sport, especially when it got to high school. Because – our volleyball coach was so great. Our team was so, I mean, we were just good and we gelled together. And I think I just, I liked the way like the power of a spike can kind of just like, right. You you hit the ball hard (laughs) and no one returns it or it's in the 10 foot line or it it even hits someone. Right. And everyone's like, Oh man. Like (laughs) I, I just, I just liked that reaction and I liked that power. And I, I mean, our team was just, we were good on and off the court. So I didn't do the travel um, volleyball because I just knew my commitment was to basketball. So um, at one point, one of the schools that was recruiting me, they had said something about possibly doing both, but the seasons kind of overlap and especially in the summer. So I was like, I don't, I don't even know at that point, right? Like what's expected of a college athlete, let alone like a a double, you know, a dual. So yeah, so I was like, eh, Let's just do it for fun. And I'm, I'm actually really shocked that um, after I committed to Notre Dame and all that, that they didn't ask me to stop playing, which I, a lot of people were shocked I continued to, but it just, it trains different muscles. You do different things. It's a different type of cardio. And I think it, it really just helped kind of for a mental break from the sport of basketball, right? You're still working on stuff here and there, but it's a different type of competitiveness that you mm-hmm. get. And it's a good break. You know. Yeah, and you know, I guess worst case scenario for you is after you commit, you get hurt playing volleyball, but I mean, you could right. get hurt doing anything. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I was just, I was extremely thankful that none of that happened and that I was able to still continue to play because it was, I mean, I remember not wanting to even leave practices once it was over. Like, we'd ask our coach, no, can we just keep going like 20 more minutes? Can we keep scrimmaging? And he's like, ah, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think there's a limit you know it was just it was a ton of fun hey you know i've watched you play basketball i'd be scared if i was on the opposite volleyball team and i, and I knew your spike was coming at me it's it's funny because they did like a a newspaper article where it was like one of the scariest things of halloween and somebody had said it was me like <laughs> on the other side of the net so i did this had to do this creepy like hand on the net 
black and white photo looking at it. I'm like, man, you guys are just playing me up as this like villain. (laughs) I do have this one story that, I mean, a lot of people know when they say, but I did break one girl's nose on one of my spikes. I'm surprised it was only one girl. Well, it was for sure just one. It was like, you know, a big, like, it was a mess that she had to get off the court. And I remember the, the fans like being like, she did it on purpose. And I'm like, like, if you think I'm that good, that I can aim for like a nose in midair hitting this ball, I'm like, it's just, it's part of the game, right? And yeah, I think it could have happened to me, right? Mm-hmm. I, my face is on that court as much as anyone else's. So it's just, it just happens, right? But yeah, it was, it was a story to, that definitely still stays with me. <laughs> Hopefully that girl's okay today. Oh yeah, no, she's good. She's good. I actually I saw her later on after we were twenty one out, and she was like, "Hey, you broke my nose," and I was like, "I am so sorry." <laughs> I hope you bought her a beer. I did. I did. Good. Good. I felt, it's the right I thing felt to right, do. And then it was see, broken nose. We broke. We broke bread per se. Uh, and cheers. We were good. Nice. Nice. All water under the bridge. Exactly. And then, you know, some more great basketball stats you had. You're one of the runner-ups for Miss Basketball in Indiana in 2007. Do you know who won? Uh, Tashia Phillips did. Okay. Where'd she go on to play? Xavier. Okay. Oh, was she? Mm -hmm. She was probably on. um, Xavier was really good for those few years. I bet she was on the team then. Yeah, so that's when they had Amber Harris also was from the Indy area, and she was Miss Basketball the year before with that was a uh, Lex, Lex grade, I believe. And then they also had Dee Dee Jerrigan, who was from East Chicago, which, so all, all these like Hoosier people, right? These Hoosier basketball players, three of them ended up all going there. And I think they were all committed to Purdue at first and then switched over and then they went to Xavier. And, yeah. Right. And that was, they were, uh, they that were was good. when Kevin McGuff was the coach, right? Exactly. McGraw's yep. friend? Mm-hmm. Yep. Small world. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. You were the first Wheeler player in school history to make the Indiana All-Star Game. And you posted three triple doubles. It's hard, for, it's hard to get one, and you got three. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't even, I didn't even really know that. Well, I have the <laughs> stats right here. It says it. <laughs> I don't know. I think at that age, you're just, I was just so locked in, and I was just, Right, you try to do a little bit of everything, and especially at Wheeler, I was the point guard, the post player, you know, the three-point shooter. So I think growing up, I was always kind of that versatile player because I wasn't just one body type that was, you know, 6'4", and you just sit on the block, 5'8", and you bring the ball up. So I just, my dad always taught me all the skill sets to kind of have and continue and make sure you cover the the fundamentals right Mm -hmm. so that at any point in time. And I just think that it's being a more versatile player. You can be in more spots on the court. And I, I just think I just, I enjoyed playing so much and just wanting to win that I didn't look at it as stat check, stat check. You know, I was just playing hard to try to win. Yeah, And that's the way it should be. Exactly. You don't want a player looking at stats. Yeah. And that's what I, 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 I fear the world is, is getting to right. But it yeah. just, when growing up and what my AAU team, right? How in today's world, I don't know if you could really put eight or nine D one players on one AAU team and make them really play and make them uh, make other people on the team look better. I, 
I, I don't know if that's, I don't, and maybe there are some out there, but it's just, I just thought it was a really special time for me. And I just still look back at pictures and we try to heckle old parents with, if you have film, because I just think it'd be so fun to see us at that young age, being able to kind of grasp our head around something bigger than just our ourselves. Right. It was more for mm-hmm. the team. It was more for us. We were there. We knew what we had to do and it was a business in its own way. Right. So I, I do think my AAU, the seriousness of it and that the fact I took it that way without being selfish about it made me more successful. Yeah, that's really good. Because, you know, and, and you're going to go to college at Notre Dame, we're going to talk about it in a little bit, where you're not going to be the one that scores the most points. So, you, you know, you exactly. have to be okay with, um, you know, playing with others. Exactly. And, you know, in high school, again, you won three sectional titles in basketball. So four in volleyball, three in basketball. You did a lot of winning in high school. Yeah, I mean, I, we, that, it just was, we had the mindset of that's what we wanted to do no matter what. And I just think it was a different mindset than what kids have now, but it was a sense of pride too, right? So Wheeler High School, we're a small 2A, we might be 3A now, but we were playing the big 4A schools. We were playing the, the Chesterton High Schools, the Andreans, the, the Merrivilles, and we wanted to just prove the fact of I don't care how small we are, we're still going to compete or win or come in there expecting to cause you problems, right? Mm-hmm. And I just think that's, again, just that mentality aspect of it that was, it was just different. And I, I just kind of, I had that exception or that uh, expectation of myself, and I also made sure and tried to make the team have the same level of expectation, right? We we prepared properly, so we were ready for those types of things. And success, it just it happens, right? At that point, when you're working hard, success will happen. You don't have to worry about how do I get success. So absolutely. And you know, you mentioned playing a year with your sister. Was that a year that you had won a sectional title? Yes. Oh, so that's, yep. that's kind of a special thing between you guys. Yeah, so it, it, the interesting part about that is, is so my first, um, I had been playing with the varsity all preseason, right? Had our scrimmages, and then, I'm, like, I mean, like, the starting five, right? And then uh-huh. the first game comes, and then I'm not in the starting lineup. And I'm like, what? Like, in my mind, right? I'm just sitting here like, okay, all right. And I'm, like, a little bit of a you know, my mind's a little like, why? And I'm, you know, overthinking stuff and I'm stretching for pregame, right? Or we're doing our warm up, And one of the assistant coaches comes up to me and she's like, look, I, I know everyone knows you should be in the starting lineup, but at this point, don't look at it that you're not just look at it. When you go in there, don't let him take you out. And honestly, that was my mindset. And I don't, I think it was maybe like I I didn't play the first half of the first quarter. And then I know I played the rest of the game. And I think I have like 18 points or something. Cause I just, again, right. That mindset of I'm going to prove it to you. Right. So, and that's what I think. I, I mean, when I try to talk to even kids now that are playing, a lot of people are just, well, she has this, she has this against her, this. And I'm just like, I'm like a chess. I've never, I don't even know how to play chess. But I'm sitting here in life just trying to, like, counter your moves with something else, trying to prove you wrong with, by doing something else. So I just think that's a huge piece of a successful player and an adult, right? Like, 
You have For to sure. be able to adapt and try to be successful in other ways. Absolutely. So you had mentioned how Notre Dame saw you at a tournament and, and were interested. What other schools were interested in you? Um, so I had a lot of um, letters, right? Um, I think it was in, at one time when I came home, I, like, I like to open all the mail. That was like my go-to. I just was like, you know, not many people are going to get this opportunity. And my mom really made that a point. She's like, look, I, I don't care how many letters come in the mail. I don't care if there's one. I don't care if there's 10. You owe these schools, whether they know it or not, to just sit here, open it, read it, like just, just for your own mentality, right? Yeah, she's right. So I, compl- I completely agree. <laughs> uh, at one point, I think the most I got in one day was like 73. Jeez. And our, our mail lady had to bring it up to the house and was like knocking on the door like, here you go, trees, like, geez, right? But, <laughs> and it got to the point where I kind of, you just pick, you don't, it's not that they're your favorites, but you just kind of start swaying and gelling to different people. And obviously, Hoosier State, Hoosier Basketball, right? I love the, the Indiana schools. Um, I really liked IU. My whole family went there, not to play, but up to, for school, both my brothers and my sister. Um, most of my high school went to IU. It was just kind of like a, like a feeder school, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked Purdue. Um, they were going to have, you know, a big, a big recruiting class coming in with that Tashia Phillips. They were going to have Amber Harris. So, again, just, just another, another Indiana school that you hear about all the time and you, you dream about playing at. And then I also really, really love DePaul. I mean, their style of play, um, the city life, right? My brother at the time was in Chicago. So it was, I knew it'd be a different vibe and a different setting, but it was like maybe a little, you know, country girl would, would like the city. So, um, and honestly, Notre Dame was the last one to, from the Indiana schools to offer me. And I, it wasn't that I was waiting, but it was like, man, why don't they want me? Like that, and that was my mindset before I went to like exposure events. I was like, what do I have to, I just, it was, I guess like a, a I, I would call it like kind of sick to a degree. Like I just wanted them to want me and I wanted other schools <laughs> to want me based on how hard I played, how I got others involved, how I did the little things and for that to come through and just kind of them reach out to me. It was like icing on the cake. So I would say my top schools were obviously just the big Indiana schools, and then I really liked DePaul. Okay. And now, was Valpo enticing at all, or no, because it was a little too close to home? Um, so they gave me my first offer, and I think I was in eighth grade or early ninth grade, and I liked it. I went there I, uh, for, you know, games. I did the whole trip and everything, but I think it was just, I, right, I didn't know how big I could be and I wanted to make sure that I was able to um, reach my potential and just kind of challenge myself elsewhere so I think the or Valpo being so close to home to me it was just like it's a great school they I mean I I saw them when I was overseas playing in Finland they were recruiting girls over there and it was just like holy crap how does this how are you here right now right (laughs) but for me it was just growing up there being there definitely I think it was just me wanting something else yeah, that makes sense. Kind of wanting to get away a bit. Yeah. So what led you to ultimately choose Notre Dame? Um, I had gone on a visit to IU, right? Kind of got the feel for it. Went to one at Purdue. 
went to a DePaul one, and then uh, I think I went to the Notre Dame-UConn game. Um, and then I think just when I stepped on campus and you're just, they always say Notre Dame is just like a small little world within this city. And that couldn't be more true. I mean, it's, you, it just feels different. You, you're walking campus and it's just the, you just, it feels different. And then I was even, um, at the game, just like, this is crazy. Like I could, I could really picture myself here. And I think it was just the family feel of the team, the academics that could help me for the rest of my life, um, and the opportunity that the basketball aspect gave me that I know this is super cliche, but right, total package all across the board. And it's so close to home that the family would only have to deal with the time change, right? So (laughs) it it just kind of had everything that I could ever imagine. That's awesome. Seems like a good reason to pick pick a school. Right, yeah. I just tried to lay the deck of cards down, and it just they kept getting them, right? They just had it all. <laughs> the pro list kept going. How was the transition into college basketball? Because it's obviously an adjustment, but I feel like it can be an even bigger adjustment for a post player. So I would say I had a, a rough adjustment. I mean, it was, it was a struggle. Um, and they, you know, summer school and going there and you do your workouts and you get some credits under your belt and you try to do a little bit, right. It's like, Oh, this will help you adjust. This will help the transition. And then you get there and it's a slap in the face. I mean, it's the best way possible, right? You've been given all these opportunities, but now it's about time management with your schoolwork. And then it's, a more of a more of a challenge on the court than I would have ever thought, right? So for me, I wasn't getting the playing time I wanted, and I wasn't right. It was even exhibition games were going on, and um, everybody played but me, right? And I'm sitting on the, I'm the last person on the bench, just kind of like not pouting, but just again, right? Those things are going through my mind of like, mm-hmm. what do I have to do? What what it, what am I missing? And then it. It, Melissa Lechleitner helped a lot with that. I mean, she had obviously been like a very close friend, best friend to me at that point from AAU to college. So she's like, I think you just need to like talk to coach. I just think you guys need to sit down and talk about, you know, she's open. She's, she's honest. And we, we just sat down and it, it just became very clear that I wasn't practicing properly. I wasn't putting that work in. So maybe where a lot of kids nowadays, they think once they get to college, that they've made it right. I, I, at that point had a very honest conversation with coach and it was like, we have to have more from you. I have to know I can trust you on the court. I have to know you're giving me everything. And right. I was a little right. Cause I'm Becca. So I'm like, <laughs> but it's so true. I mean, she would tape every practice just because she would anyway, but we would watch practice film and she would show me, look, this rep here wasn't as consistent as this one. Watch how uh, Mel does it. Watch how Lindsay does it. What are you not doing? So it, it just was, I mean, she spent the time to break it down to me and then also just be honest with me, right, to say, you're not doing this, so therefore I can't give you this. It was, it was, a, it was a learning moment in life of overcoming yet, right, another challenge where you might think you deserve something, but realistically, it, it's just like a totem pole. You're back down on the bottom. So yeah, I think, yeah, you've got to earn it. 
Exactly. And I, and I knew to a degree, but not how much or how serious or, and I even use this word to this day, I'm like, how efficient you have to be. Um, that was one thing that was just preached to me. And I'm, I mean, I tell my husband now, I'm like, if you would have moved it this way, it's just, it's we're just more efficient, right? So I just, uh, it's something that stuck with me about the work ethic and just continuing to grow on the court, off the court, and mentally as well. I mean, that was, that was always just that mental toughness. I knew I thought, I thought I had it, but again, to just be challenged in a different way and try to go get, go over it and go through it to understand and learn a lesson from it and then change how you play for the better. And, you know, you must have changed how you played and you must have taken what Muffin McGraw said to heart and really learned and worked with it because you saw a lot of success your freshman season when, you know, the game started and you actually led the team in field goal percentage. That's pretty incredible. So, right, just it was rough in the beginning. I would say I really understood it over like from Thanksgiving to the beginning of the year and then. Not only that, but I would sit on the bench because, you know, I'm not starting. I'm not. And that wasn't a huge, like, like, like hit to me. It was more so, okay, I'm on the bench. I'm going to listen. I'm going to watch what the girls are doing that are on the court. I'm going to listen to what the bench is saying that we need to do. And I'm going to just watch the game and kind of understand where I could fit in, understand what's open and just maybe I'm watching number 12 and she's not blocking out really. So I know I can go get an offensive rebound. And at that point to me, it was again, just that mental, I'm going to prove you wrong when I get in there. So I just wanted to get in there and make them not take me off the court. Yeah. Just like your uh, high school coach said. Exactly. Your freshman season is slowed down a little bit by a broken finger in February. And you actually had surgery during the season and just missed two games, and we're back in the lineup. How'd you do that? So I think um, one thing I learned from my freshman year, like once you get in and you can kind of, and this sounds terrible, but you can kind of take someone's time, and then you become kind of the main one that they look to for certain things. Um, I knew the finger would potentially take me out longer than I wanted to be. And I didn't want to kind of not get replaced, but just kind of have my spot filled and kind of someone else is like super successful and I'm, I'm, I'm out of it or I'm not really mentally even in it anymore. It was more of like me challenging myself, but I will say um, it broke before we went to play Rutgers and there was a, our flight was delayed and I didn't even, I didn't know it was broken, right? You've how many times have, you jammed your finger, you pull it out, no big deal. But oh, for sure. I pulled it I pulled it out and I heard like this nasty crack and I was like, um I don't think that was good. So then I went to our trainer and she just, you know, taped it up, was like, We'll look at it after, but be careful. I'm like, Oh, all right. So we had a flight delay, so we ended up staying at um at the gym longer. We were actually in the team room going over film and I went to this like back room I've never seen before in the Purcell Pavilion and it's this old x-ray machine and they, they're warming it up. And I'm like, Oh, like, is this really nice? I, I don't think it's a big deal. So then they take an x-ray and it's just like a diagonal break through my entire finger. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, so what's the next plan? Like what's next step? And I, I honestly naive as I'll get out. I'm like, you know, just tape it up, try not to bend it. 
they're like, probably going to need a couple screws and a plate. And I'm like, time out, what? Mm-hmm. Wait, <laughs> um, wait, what? So we end up getting, like, we, we get on the bus, we go to the plane, and Coach checks in with me, and she's like, so what's up? Like, you good? I'm like, I guess I need surgery. She's like, what? So it, it's kind of put on the back burner. I play at Rutgers, right, in, like, this cast-type thing, and – at the time, I'm thinking if I was on the other end of this, right, if I'm playing a girl who's kind of only focused on her right hand and her other one's looking casted, I'm, you know, going to be a little rough, right? Because yeah. th- that's what you – it's it's not a – you have to be protective and defensive, right? So I'm sitting there like, holy crap, this could be bad. And we're at Rutgers. It's rowdy. And I end up playing, and I, th- I don't know how many points I had. I, I know I played, which I was just proud of, and I was, I, there's this one rebound where I just grab it with, like, one hand and, like, roll it to Brittany, and I'm like, go, because I'm just, like, <laughs> completely not using my left hand. Um, but then once we got back, we went to a doctor, and it was like, you have to have surgery sooner than later or else you'll lose the mobility of the finger. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. So <laughs> let's get this done. So I ended up getting three pins, no plate, and uh, I was supposed to sit out three games, and then it was the St. John's game where coach told me to just have stuff ready in, at halftime in case I needed to, like, play. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, right, no, we're, we're going to be all right. And sure enough, it was the last media timeout before halftime, so we still had half, and she just looked at me and told me to go get dressed. And I was like, what? This, I'm not supposed, this isn't supposed to happen. <laughs> I'm not ready. <laughs> so I'm in there getting dressed, and I start the second half, and I'm, I'm wow. playing. Yeah. And I think it was I – I, they didn't want me playing because I sold the stitches in, but at that point, my training staff, they, I mean, they, we had made this, like, um, like, a little brace, a wrap, a padded receiver's football glove with padding on the inside, and then I got it taped. So there was a whole art to the, the prep for it, so – yeah, it was an was interesting just, cast. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I had to make it, right? It couldn't be hard to where I couldn't play, but mm-hmm. it also had to be hard to where my finger had stability. So it was yeah. uh, like some plastic molding that one of the football trainers came up with, molded it to my finger, and out we went. Interesting. (laughs) But hey, it it shows how much you were needed. You know, the coach wanted you to come back early. You started the second half. Yeah. I I mean, it wasn't pretty, but I mean, I went out (laughs) there. I think it was just the morale of like, she's there. (laughs) Right. I'm like, oh, I don't use my left hand anyway. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sure you earned respect from your teammates because, you know, it just shows how tough you are. I think. Yeah, I think. I mean, there's there's so many things that happen, and everyone has their injuries that they kind of get through. So all in all, I would just say we, we had a tough team for, in general, and that was just standard, right? So mm-hmm. it, it was just kind of playing into what we already all knew and expected from one another. If it was hard to play in that, that cast, batting glove, whatever you want to call it, it certainly didn't show. You played great in the NCAA tournament. You win a second-round overtime game against the 14th-ranked team, Oklahoma, and you helped keep Courtney Paris scoreless in the overtime. And then, you know, Notre Dame will eventually fall short in the Sweet 16 to the eventual national champion, Tennessee, but you scored 16 points in the game. Pretty solid to do against Candace Parker. 
all right-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all with one arm. <laughs> um, well, good, because that was my, that's the one I favored anyway. Uh, no, yeah, it was, it was a good run. And I think, again, just that mental, I'm not dead, I'm not dying. It's an injury that I kind of just learned through practice to kind of not put it into certain situations. I mean, it, there were bumps here and there for sure, but the game goes on, right? You got to get over exactly. it anyway. Your team needs you. Your coach needs you. And at that point, you just prove to yourself that it's not, it's, it's not something that's going to limit you. You're still capable in other ways. Exactly. And you know, this isn't going to be the first time we talk about you playing through an injury. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> That'll come later. But, you know, sophomore year, you become a starter. How did that feel after going through, you know, the early rough patch freshman year? Um, I loved it. I, I really think my, my freshman year, I, I wasn't really expected to dribble. That was like a, a thing, right? Like just, just catch, shoot, focus, be efficient. And I loved that my sophomore year, I really put in the work that summer and I was moved to kind of a guard position so I was working with Coach Sip at the time. You know, I was working on my, my shot, my, my pull-up. I was also getting in shape, um, the type of shape that would get me up and down the floor, not just from a post player position, but also a guard position that would give me the advantage. So I think sophomore year was a big year for me in the sense of just confidence. Uh, went in with a new mentality. I kind of My body changed. It kind of adjusted from that freshman year, trying to build bulk, trying to see how it fits slim down, be an athlete. Um, yeah. And it just, it, it matching that with the attitude I had from the first year of like being tough, getting through it. I, I enjoyed the my sophomore year and kind of the player I was at that time. As you should have your sophomore and your junior years, you're a consistent, reliable player who as always doesn't back down. Yeah. I mean, it, it was funny because as, even as a guard, um, they would have me guarding, you know, like the Tina Charles or like the biggest player in the post. And I think it's just, again, that mental piece of I'm going to like bully, I'm going to fight, I'm going to try to just, I may not be the most athletic, I'm not going to dunk, I'm not going to have the most amazing moves, but I'm just mentally going to be tough and fight like all hell. And I eventually try to wear someone else down with that, right? Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yep. It was, it was a challenge that um, I gladly accepted every day, knowing that if I did my job, my team would be successful. And, I mean, it, that didn't go without them, right? So it would be me making sure they don't get low on the block, and then if they did get the ball in dribble middle, we'd have Sky or Lack or Britt or Natalie Novosel come dig down, get the steal. So it was a very strategic thing that I don't, I don't think I could have wrapped my head around in AAU or like high school even, but at that level, it's, it's just knowing every one of their offenses, every team, every game, and how you are going to play defense against it. And that was, I think that IQ level that Notre Dame really helped me get to and understand strengths, weaknesses, and as a team, how do we overcome anything? Yeah, Notre Dame is one of those schools and teams that always has players that have a high basketball IQ. Absolutely. And you have to just because the scouting is so detailed and, and intense. I mean, we're, 
even at the at Big East tournament, right, or, or the actual NCAA tournament, just to have that quick turnaround where you maybe have a day prep to just kind of forget the one team you just played and know who the best players are, their offenses they consistently run, and the fact that if they run four low, we're going to switch on the first pass from a zone to a man defense so that they can't get the advantage inside. You know, it's just mm-hmm. – it, it's a lot, but it was just – it just – came so easy to us and it was just like a well-oiled machine everyone knew their responsibility i mean obviously people forgot here and there i i was at fault for that as well but (laughs) it's just interesting to see and know that at that time your team is in like you're you're just so in tune to one another and it's just like almost like a show right you're just you know what's expected you know where to go you know what to do and it's just looking back on it i'm just i'm in shock at how well it went all the time. It honestly, it's it's a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, great, great program, and you had a great career. Great, pro- it's a great program for sure. Yeah, definitely. Your senior year, 2011, one to remember. You and other senior Brittany Mallory, who has also been on the podcast, are named team captains. Can you talk about some of the responsibilities a, a captain has? Um, everything. Um, everything from making sure your team's ready to go, communicating out any change of events, kind of being the lifeline to your coaches as to how things are going, when things change, what's needed. Um, Brittany and I really worked well together in the sense of I was a bad cop. She was a good cop. I was kind of like the bark and she would kind of come right back behind it with that positive, um, like nurturing again, just, I, and we were best friends and we were, we lived together our senior, my senior year, uh, cause she had her fifth, but we lived together our senior year off, off, uh, in an apartment. And it was just, we were the, as close as you can be. You'd find Brittany, you'd find Becca. It was vice versa. And yeah, it's a, it's a huge responsibility. And, um, I don't think kids nowadays really understand the level of responsibility. Um, to where, you know, if we have a bad game, it was because the captain didn't set the tone and then didn't follow back up with the reinforcement necessary. And also just, you know, you're, you can expect more and do more and should be more, but maybe not everyone was awake, alert in the scouting report, or you have a bad game and it sets everybody else off. And it's just, and I mean, that goes for off the court stuff too, right? You're at a party. You shouldn't be whose fault is it where so-and-so um, her grades are bad. Follow up. Make sure she's going to class. Just, I mean, honestly, you're like, yeah, you're the mom of the team <laughs> for the for the younger ones and for all of them, honestly. Wow, and that must have been different for you because you came from being the baby of the family, and now all of a sudden you got all this responsibility. Yeah, and I think just the whole college for me, um, kind of going through that that struggle early and kind of understanding, buying in knowing what this could be and kind of how we can all have a high level of expectation. I I saw how that could pay off. And I saw that even my freshman year with how we could play uh, in the final, uh, in the finals of the NCAA tournament, just that our last run there that I knew if we all bought in and we were all this every day, right. It can't be, we, we have one bad practice. It could set us a week behind someone else. Right. So mm-hmm. it was just how, can I get everyone to always buy in so that when tournament time comes, 
we are at our peak to just kind of roll. Before we talk about your exciting run to the Final Four, I have to ask you a really important question, okay? I'm ready. On a road trip to Seattle, Notre Dame did some sightseeing and went to the Pike Place Fish Market, famously known for throwing fish at their customers. You stepped up to do it for Notre Dame. Did you catch it, and what did it feel like? I did catch it. It was really a blur because I wasn't, I didn't, I I think I I didn't even see someone else do it, and they just grabbed us and were like, who's going to do it? I was like, all right. So, you know, you go up and you're behind. you got to step up. Right, exactly. So I'm, I'm go up on behind the counter, and the guy's counting it down, and I'm like, wait, what? Like my, I had to put my hair up. I was like, how am I holding it? The guy's like, oh, just put your hands out like this, and it'll come right to you. I'm like, okay. So they count it down, and he just launches it. And I'm not kidding. It was a blur. Like, thankfully, I caught it because it was about like an arm's length fish, and it was slimy. It was gross, and it didn't even have a head to it. So I was like, wow, this is – I mean, it was an experience, but again, it was so quick. It was, it was fun. That's just kind of that off the court stuff we got to go out and do at every road trip that just made us bond, our bond that much better. <laughs> nice. And I talked with Brittany about this, but I think expectations were relatively low for Notre Dame in 20, 2011 because you had lost a bunch of players to graduation, including your pal, Melissa. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't think people really thought how ready we would be for the season. So we kind of were able to fly under the radar and just kind of quietly get our work in. And it it was a sense of relief knowing there weren't really high expectations, but just the ones that we had of ourselves. And I think we just really, we, we were grinding. We put the work in and I think we shocked a lot of people, but we had that confidence from just our work ethic all year long to kind of know, yeah, this is, this is what we want, and this is what we've been doing, and here we go. You lost a few games early in the season. In your opinion, was there a moment that turned things around? Um, I, I think early on we didn't really know how people were going to lead or who was going to lead. Um, right, it's established earlier on that Britt and I are, but I don't know to what degree and to how. Mm-hmm. Um. And we were out at that Seattle tournament, and I just know this because, I mean, Bob Nagel, one of our uh, our radio guy who always comes on games and goes on trips with us, he, to this day, while I'm coaching, he comes up to me because he does the radio for our high school games sometimes, and he brings this story up every, every time. I mean, it's just, it's a great memory, but I, I don't, again, I don't even remember this happening, but we were losing to Gonzaga, right, the tournament mm-hmm. favorite at the time, and uh, right, you feel the refs are on their side. We're not from this area. Maybe, you know, it just it just was rough. The game was really rough. And at one point, I, Dev got a tech for something that was like probably something I did and Dev was on the bench. Or it, it, was just, <laughs> it, was, it was that crazy. And we were like, what? Okay, listen. So I just grabbed everybody, pulled them together and was like, enough. Like, this is, this is dumb this is we're gonna play eight on five I don't care if we play 20 on five and it was just we a regrouping for us to kind of wake up understand we can do this regardless of how many people are against us and we have more in us than we're we've been given right so Mm -hmm. I think that's when we really just leaned on one another to know that everybody was going to bring what they did to the team well 
and it just made us click and it and it started working. So I, I would honestly say that tournament, just that adversity in that tournament. That's awesome. And did you guys win that tournament? I forget. I don't I don't even know. How sad is that? <laughs> I think we might have, but I don't uh, That's all right. Yeah. The, the important thing is that's where, <laughs> you know, you guys knew what team you're gonna be going forward. Exactly. Found our identity. Absolutely. Exactly. And, you know, we're going to talk about the amazing run to the tour in the tournament. I have to start with the fact that you guys almost lost in the first round. You had to travel to Salt Lake City as the two seed to take on the 15 seed Utah, which is ridiculous. Very unfair. I'm glad that they've changed the rules in the past few years where the higher seed doesn't have to travel like that. Yeah. Are you guys upset I by mean, that? It- it was it was pretty crazy. A hometown crowd. We knew that going in. I think just that they were rowdy and they were you know trying to have the upset and um, right. And this is not an excuse, but like there's a altitude right out there. It's a little yeah, different. Yeah, so we had different. To, we had to adjust to it. We had our um, our practice before and we're like oh, I'm a little out of breath. Like just <laughs> kind of had to had to get the work in to kind of figure it out. But again, um, I, I think. I think just all the challenges we had that season, especially in Gonzaga, right? So we're still, we're, we're out West. We're fighting a battle that we are being tested at. And we were able to just kind of wake up the second half. And it was a good thing we did because the celebration after that win was we got to go to a Lady Gaga concert. So that was fun. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And, you know, you did win by 13. I think it was close in the first half. And then you kind of yeah. ran away with it. Yeah, we, we probably had a nice halftime talk to where we just, we reset stuff, and then we mm-hmm. realized what we needed to do. That was it. That was no big deal. And then you beat Temple in Salt Lake again, and yep. then you avenged the 2010 Sweet 16 loss to Oklahoma by crushing them. Yeah, we were rolling at that point, right? It was, yeah. That was you, a lot of fun. Obviously, it looks good as a, a Notre Dame fan as you're watching that game. But going back to you getting hurt, you hurt your knee that game. And it, and it looked bad watching it on TV. Do you remember that and what it felt like? Were you scared that it was serious? So I felt like a pop. And I remember I, I was on the ground and they had, I think it was like a media timeout and I was trying to get up and I couldn't get up. And I like yelled to one of my teammates to help me because it just, it didn't feel right. And at that point when I noticed I couldn't get up on it, I was like, oh crap, like, all right. And again, just thinking in my mind, like, um, I never think worst case scenario, just like with my finger, like someone would have to tell me it's broken in order for me to understand and believe it. So mm. we went back into the training room and, you know, the doctors and my trainer are there and they're going through it and they're testing it. And it ha- it just happened to be that I toured some cartilage. So it was kind of like floating around and uncomfortable, made my knee a little weaker for sure. But again, just an adjustment. We, the staff of Notre Dame is amazing. They were able to overnight one of the ACL braces. um, And I was able to practice with it the next morning at our walkthrough. And yeah, got some nice pain, pain pills. Ready to go. (laughs) That that always helps. (laughs) Yeah. You didn't miss a beat. You are, you know, playing against Tennessee in the elite eight. How did it feel, though, on, on the, with the knee brace? Did it hurt? Or not even hurt. Did it feel weird, different? So the brace itself is great, and 
I, it didn't hurt, but I just felt slower. I for, for sure felt slower, uh, not as, yeah, very bulky. And I think it just, um, for sure side to side movement, which is what the braces job is, but also just as a whole running up and down for the first time, not really knowing what to do. I remember the night before Britt and I were talking about it. She's like, Oh, you'll be good. It's a great brace. I'm okay. Okay. As I'm doing like ice and stem and <laughs> just trying to get it ready. But, uh, I think it, it definitely changed, uh, my speed and my agility for the remaining games for sure. Well, you still played well in all the games, so. Well, I just had to find different ways, right? Had to find yeah, exactly. different things to do, that's all. No breakaway <laughs> layup, but I wasn't going to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> going into the Elite Eight game, Notre Dame was 0-20 all-time against the Lady Vols. But you guys expected to win that game, didn't you? Oh, always. Always. I think our mindset was stronger than probably our abilities, which I think when you have that and you have that confidence and you know you're just going to figure out ways to get the job done, that mm-hmm. was what made our team so great because we all had that, right? We had Skyler from the point guard position. We had Natalie Novosel, a, a crazy athlete on the wing, Brittany the shooter, Dev, shot blocker, just overall athlete. And I think we just all fit together so well that regardless of how outmatched we were at that point, we were so close off the court, we were going to get the job done or at least fight like hell. And you know, you called it mindset. I like to call it more of an attitude and swagger. You know, the 2011 team had it and you and Skylar Diggins really carried it forward. Then you had, you know, Kayla McBride and Natalie Achanwa going forward. It mm-hmm. continued with Marina and Enrique, and, and it's going to yeah. continue. I think Sam Brunel, she's still young, but I think she's going to have it. Oh, de- I mean, definitely. She's so young and being put in an in a amazing situation, right? It's, it's tough. It's hard. But she's getting all these opportunities to get her shots in, to have different types of defenses thrown at her. She, she will be successful for sure. It's just still that adjustment phase. Every, every freshman goes through it, but – to kind of have all eyes on you all the time because you're, you're a big-time scorer for a team that needs it, she, she's going to be uh, extremely successful. For sure. But, you know, I got to credit you with that swagger that this team has continued to have. <laughs> and, and we hope it only continues forever on. And, I mean, I think when you have a team of girls that uh, off the court love each other as much as they do on the court, it's really easy to just – it wasn't, we wanted to make other people jealous of it. Right. But it was just, we were that close. I'm, I'm just telling you, like we were, but it was, that's important. Had, Team chemistry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Brittany Mallory would call me and wake me up every morning, even if she had left earlier the day before. I mean, it, it was, we were there for each other, no matter what. <laughs> that's so nice. Talk about the moment the buzzer went off and you realize you're going to the final four. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, the interesting part is, as amazing as it was, we, even after the game, right, we're celebrating, we knew we wanted more. I mean, uh, Skylar and I always had this thing and we would talk about it while we were in the ice tub. Like, I mean, we're here, so we might as well win. We might as well try. <laughs> yeah. We might as well, like, show up. 
because I don't <laughs> think a lot of people were really expecting us to have that run or go that far. So we just kind of had the mindset, I mean, we're here, so might as well. And it was, it was yeah. just like a running joke within the team, but we all got <laughs> it, knew what it meant, and then brought it. That's awesome. And, you know, the 2011 Final Four was not only in Notre Dame's home state, it was in your home state as well, Indiana. Uh, it was in Indianapolis. I bet yeah. a lot of your friends and family uh, definitely came. A ton, an absolute ton. And I think the best part about it was all the, the random Facebook messages or Twitter messages before, during, and even after from people I had no idea. I mean, it was... Hi, my name's Mary. I was a 1984 grad. You you really did us proud. Like it it just Aww. the amount of support before, during, and even after was by far the most amazing. And I think that's just it. It really gives credit to the Notre Dame circle and just the overall fan base. And again, just being that Hoosier state to have the support of this whole state of Indiana wanting an Indiana team to win it and and to get to that place and to really be able to just say, I'm, I'm going to the Final Four and I'm cheering for Notre Dame, that I think was really special. Yeah, that, that is special. And you, know, you go up against UConn in the national semifinal, a team Notre Dame is very familiar with. You had never won during your four-year career to that point against UConn. How frustrating was that? <sighs> I think at that point, it just, they, they were so, they were such a powerhouse that, I don't think a lot of teams even expected to win anymore. And the interesting part with this team is when we lost to them the first time that year, I think it was like awful. We, it was, it was on TV. It was pretty bad. And we, we had a whole ceremony where we threw the game out. We threw the scattering report out and it was just like, look, that's not how we play. That's not who we are. And we know we can do better. So I think going into the game, we knew we didn't have anything to lose, but we were going to fight like no other. And we knew we didn't play the best we could have in the beginning. And we were a different team by the time we saw them again. So I think we were pretty confident just in the fact of, you know, let's make them uncomfortable instead of we're freaking out about what do we got to do? Oh, no. It was, and coach did a great job of really focusing on four minute segments, right? Every media timeout, we'd come into the huddle and she'd be like, all right, this is where we're at. So we didn't want to look at a long-term game of like, oh, man, two halves, you're down this. It was just every four minutes, what can I do to stay in this game, stay focused, and what do we need to do to kind of make up something or keep on a run or stop someone? So it was, it was really well-timed. It was great time management on her part and to just kind of reset us every four minutes. That's great. Yeah, great game plan. You guys shot 52%. To put it into perspective, you broke a streak of 262 consecutive games where UConn held opponents to under 50%. Yes, that's awesome. It's amazing. (laughs) It's something you still celebrate. As you should. And it's unusual where UConn doesn't have the crowd at a Final Four as, you know, they have fans everywhere. A lot of bandwagon fans, but a lot of true fans, too. But mm-hmm. Notre Dame definitely had the crowd that night. Yeah, I mean, win one for the Hoosier State. That's all I got to say. We played like it. We wanted it. We were confident. And we had a ton of fans there to just help us through it. So it, it was awesome. 
You throw the ball in the air as the buzzer went off. Tell me what was going through your mind. Pure celebration, kind of like, holy cow, can't believe it happened. And just going back to the whole, you know, the streak of how you've never beaten them and everything, that all comes into play, right? Because we just, at that point, it was kind of like a monumental thing that this team, you can beat. This team, not not so much that specific one, but UConn as a whole, right? They, it's a, and it's, it's a crazy intimidating program. Just the name on the front of the jersey to see them, you know they're going to be prepared. You know they're going to be great. But I think it was just for us to know that we had worked together so well and so hard that we were able to overcome the mighty UConn. It was just for us pure joy, and I think it just, it it finally solidified all the work we had been doing and that swagger and that confidence, like, yeah, we have it, like, this is us, and and it was just a proud moment for all of us to just kind of be able to say you beat a UConn team. Not many people can say that, and to have that, and it was just a huge, a huge celebration for sure. Yeah, lots to be proud of that night. You guys end up falling short in the title game, but still an incredible season to be proud of and an incredible career for you to be proud of. Thanks. I mean, losing in Indy, you know, it was extremely tough, especially after you have that that huge win over UConn. But I think, again, it just gives us the perspective of anybody at any time. You go through ups and downs, and even though everything that – seems like it should be right and you should come out and win and you should expect this you can always kind of get knocked back on your butt and kind of brought back down and you got to go on and live with it right so and for me it was exactly and that's what it teaches and that's what's so great about it and I think for me even it was it was hard to because I knew I was the only one truly graduating from that team besides one of our walk-ons Mary Ford so for me, it was like, man, this whole team's going to be back and they're going to kill it and it's going to be awesome. And, you know, you're proud of it and you love it and you're obviously supportive and you're watching all the games and just loving it. But it was definitely a moment where it was like you just wanted that one game back. So that's, that's still something that I think about to this day, but I think it's so much more about what I've learned from it. And mm-hmm. that makes me the person I am today, so... Hey, that's really good. And again, you know, it's great to win a national title. It's still in the long run. It's sports. You have your life. You're married. You exactly. know, you, you've got a lot, a lot good going for you. Exactly. Good perspective. After, yeah, right. I, I try. <laughs> <laughs> after you graduate from Notre Dame in 2011, you spend a few years overseas playing basketball professionally. Where did you play? Uh, my first year, I was in Finland. I was in Kotka, Finland, and I was, that was my first full season, a uh, solid eight months. Uh, you leave in August, you come home for Christmas, you go back, and then you're there until what, April, May maybe, depending on how you play in the playoffs. And again, just a huge curve. Um, my coach did not speak English well. Um, I, had girls on, right, I had girls on the team that were national team players for Finland. So they, they were, they did speak English and were able to translate some stuff, but also I was just, while I was there, um, they, I really learned the business side that overseas and professional sports 
is. So I was there for eight eight months, and I think they brought at least eight players in and out while I was there. So oh, wow. again, just not not doing your job. You don't like their vibe. One, it was it was very nitpicky, right? So I was even trying to and. Me as a person, I want to be close with my team. So I made friends with some of the girls, the Finnish girls. And, I, you know, we had a couple Americans on the team. I think you're out, certain leagues allow two to three. But even, like, American players were in and out, in and out, in and out. I was the only one there from start to finish of the season. And I think that was hard for me being a big family person, being someone who came from the Hoosier State with tons of support and – you know, your parents are at all the games, your family, your cousins, your brothers and sisters. And um, I would, I really, it was really a challenge for me because I would stay up all night so that I could sleep all day. So I would never change time. So then I'd sleep until right before practice and then I'd go to practice and then I'd come home and that'd be my day. And (laughs) it, it was crazy, but it was, you need your support system and I lived online, obviously, video chatted galore, but um, I learned the business side of it. And again, just another challenge in the road. It's a great opportunity. Don't get me wrong. Every, Every one of these levels have been a great opportunity that I worked for, I wanted, but there's challenges with each step of the way. So I think overseas for me, especially that first year in Finland was, was tough. And then talking to my agent, I was like, look, I don't know if I want like a full, season somewhere. I think I'm going to be a little more picky about where I go. I had good stats my first year. So I was like, maybe now I can kind of pick and choose where I want to go or at least get more opportunities. And I was able to get um, a season in Puerto Rico and play with Melissa Lechleitner, my friend from AAU, my college teammate. (laughs) And now we got to go play professionally in Puerto Rico. And this was, uh, I can't get away from you. We're buds, and it's even better when you have a point guard that knows knows kind of how you play and where you like the ball. So yeah, it, for it was sure. extremely helpful. We had an absolute blast down there, and I, we loved it because it was like three- and four-month seasons. So it was short, quick, but it's basketball, beach, beer. I mean, it was it was awesome. Sounds it was good. An absolute, it Living was so, the dream. It was so fun. Exactly, and our families got to come down and stay with us and kind of see us play. So it made it even that much better. Yeah, I mean, they said they were coming down to watch you play. They they might have, you know, <laughs> having a beach vacation. They probably saw a game or two. <laughs> nah, I do remember them being late to a couple games because they were at the <laughs> pool. But, I mean, they said traffic, so I don't know. <laughs> no, and then fact, so I went, I went back to Puerto Rico uh, three more times because it was just a yeah. short season, loved it. And then uh, one of my other places I went to was Ukraine. I replaced someone after my uh, Puerto Rican season. So after Christmas, I went to Ukraine and I played on a really great team in Kirovograd, which is five hours from Kiev, where at the time, you know, Russia was invading and there was all that, they were trying to take over the ports of Ukraine and our season was paused for a month and my parents and everybody are like, are you okay? And I'm like, I don't, scary. I don't, I don't see what you see on TV. I'm good, but it was definitely a scary time for sure. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was crazy. And again, that just goes to show you like, it's, it's a, it's a business, 
right? So you're there, you're working hard, you're making your money, but you also have to produce the stats and be that team player. But actually like life, like just like what we're dealing with now, right? Yeah. The coronavirus. Exactly. So it's like things come up and it's like, how do you, how do you maneuver this? How do you get through it? So our team did a great job of, you know, keeping us safe. They paused that season and then we were able to finish it and we got out of there and all was well and we won. So it was good. It was pretty good. Yeah. Nice. What brought you back to Indiana after playing in Europe? So when I would come home to Indiana, I would help coach an AAU program, the same one I ended up playing for way back when, and just wanted to coach girls and help them get the opportunity that I got because it was just a life changer and something that I not only learned a lot about myself internally, but um, it was it was an opportunity that I know a lot of people, especially maybe from a small town of Indiana, they, they don't get. And um, yeah, I just, I was coaching about four different um, divisions and about like six teams. So we would have our AAU tournament weekends. We had the crazy um, July of exposure. I'd see, you know, coach McGraw, I'd see, you know, the DePaul coach, coach Bruno, I'd, you know, just, Hey, how's it going? Yeah. You know, just, it was, it was great to kind of have that come full circle from when you were even getting recruited to then playing against these people, then now coaching girls of the potential future and still having that relationship with them. That's amazing. Yeah. So did your love of coaching, was that, was that why you decided to end your professional playing career? So after um, the Ukraine season and then coaching, I always kind of did that in the summers for the last like three years um, when I would come home, but I would, I went back to Puerto Rico and then I got a really bad concussion. Uh, it was, it was pretty bad. And it was to the point where I was just in my room, like sleeping for days. And I just asked them, I was like, can you just send me home? I'm not going to, I'm not really getting any better. Um, so, and I just, at that point, again, just another injury that you don't really know and you can't see. So you don't understand the magnitude of it. And I mean, I was, I was like knocked out when it happened. I had an ambulance ride and you know, your, your parents are watching a game online and they're trying to understand and interpret the language about you know, so they're, they're scared, they're concerned, but at least in Puerto Rico, you know, we had cell service cause you're on the same, the same time and signal. So it's not like you're in Finland or Ukraine where you can't communicate. So I was able to call them and just let them know. I was like, okay, but yeah, it was life-changing for sure to just kind of come home and try to slowly get back. I worked with one of my trainers um, in Valpo, and, I mean, it was it was crazy. I couldn't even run, like, a minute without almost wanting to pass out or throw up. It was, it was, it was tough. It was challenging. And then, actually, I did play one more year after that for Catalina, which is in Puerto Rico. And I was a different player than since I had from the previous years. And I was on like the best team. We ended up winning, but I knew that was my last season. I mean, it was just like the farewell tour. So I wanted to make the most of it. Um, And it was great that I got on one of the better teams and we had the players on the team to where I didn't have to kind of carry the load that I did previously. Um, But I definitely could tell I was not the same bruiser or, you know, player. So I knew kind of at that point it was time to check out after and, maybe grow up a little 
go home and grow up and start the adult world. Well, you know, you went out on top. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. Having We did win in Puerto Rico and in Ukraine, so that was cool. It was definitely Great. cool to do. Very nice. And, Becca, I, I want to bring this up and give you the opportunity to defend yourself. In 2012, while you were in Finland, Notre Dame was having a really good season, and before a game against UConn, Gino Oriema came out and said that a player in the, at the Final Four in 2011 yelled, not even yelled, opened the door to the locker room and yelled, sucks to be you. And he said it was you. Can you defend right. yourself? Because I know there's more to that story. So I, I'm in Finland, and I'm, I'm getting messages from our um, director of media. And even Coach reached out to me, and I'm, I had no idea, honestly. And then for it to kind of get brought up a year later, and I think we had beat them a couple games, right, before, oh, yeah, during no, the year. no, it wasn't even the first game. It was like the second or third before it yeah, came out. Yeah, and it, to me, I, I imagine being somewhere where you can't voice an opinion, right? You can't, uh-huh. you're no longer on the team. I'm... I don't matter. I called when I was talking to coach, I just said, I'm so sorry if this is a distraction. Like I felt awful. And all I can say is there is security galore back there. There's (laughs) a person, a representative, an NCAA person per team that goes with you to and from security at your door, security that runs you in, make sure you get out. There is no way I would have ever could have, would have, Touched a door. I, I mean, point blank period, didn't do it, didn't happen. I don't know why that was brought up. I don't know why it was pointed at me. I don't, I have no clue. Oh, I, I know mean, why it was pointed at you. Can you tell me? Because I wasn't there to defend myself, maybe. <laughs> exactly. You're the only person on that team, unless he wants to blame the walk-on that graduated with you. You're the only one that couldn't, you know, really defend it. As you said, you were in Finland. Yeah, and the worst part was is, I mean, I even, like, in my hug to Maya Moore, I was like, man, you've been beating my butt for years, and I just <laughs> want to say thank you. You're an amazing player. Like, that, that was very, how very I classy. left the court. So for me to do that into the locker room to that whole team, I mean, that team I, I have respect for. They recruited me. I, I looked up to that team. It was, you know, they're, they're UConn. I, that, that would just throw salt even on me. And our, our team, not even them, right? If I would have done something like that. So uh, I, it didn't happen. I'm, I was in shock when I heard about it. And, you know, it just kind of goes to show you, like, Coach Orama's track record as he's, you know, nipping at Arike while she's playing and stuff. And I think he does it as a motivation to his own team. But I just don't think it's something that should have been talked about to someone who wasn't there to kind of defend themselves. And if this was the issue, this should have been addressed immediately after the the, the national championship, right? Like this should have That's why come it out. didn't happen. It, yeah. yeah. Can I give you what I think about this whole thing? Absolutely. <laughs> when I read it, whether it was an article or I think Doris Burke said it, I don't think she said the name during one of the exactly. one of the games. Yep. As you said, you cannot get into a locker room. If I was a fan at the Final Four, 
I would be a, like a re- not even arrested. I'd be like taken down before I would mm-hmm. e- even get close to the door. No and one. And the interesting could, part is, a woman's is even locker if, room. so let's say something of any nature happened. Wouldn't that be the first thing that's out in the media? That's a story just way that that's juice. That is something to blast. And for it yeah, to he would have that, said it in the press conference. Exactly. And he didn't. It was yep. a year later. He picked a kid that wasn't on the team at that point. Yep. And I think he was doing it to exactly to get a rise out of his team. At that point, they hadn't beaten Notre Dame that year. Mm-hmm. But it's not fair to drag a kid's name in doing that. There are other ways to motivate your team. I completely agree. I got your back, Becca. Thank you. Thank you. And the sad part was is I just didn't want to be a distraction to that Notre Dame team at the time. And hey, I mean, you weren't. Co- they, had a, they had a great year. Don't worry. Yeah, no, for sure. But I just, the fact that I didn't even want to get brought into anything good, bad, or otherwise, because I, that's for that team to kind of enjoy their wins, fight through their battles and continue to go on. Right. At that point, I'm a supporter and to kind of be thrown in there as a, as a attempt to be a distraction. I, I mean, I apologize to coach. I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, this is crazy. And she was like, don't even worry about it. Don't even. So to have her kind of have that communication with me definitely helped. And I mean, I'm just glad the women kept winning, you know? Yeah, they, they beat UConn three out of four <laughs> times that year. <laughs> yep. You mentioned uh, that you would coach AAU in the summer when you were home from uh, playing overseas. But now, as you're home full-time, you've gotten into coaching the high school teams. You work in business, but you also coach high school basketball. How did you get started in that, and how do you balance that? That's got to be hard. It's, it's a challenge, two full-time jobs, like I like to say. Um, so Definitely. I ended up I, working, I'm working for a um, Notre Dame alumni. He played football at, at Notre Dame, and it's a data management and analytics company. So a lot of smart, smart people, um, an amazing company to work for, very supportive, definitely feel like a family. So it's, it's great from that sense, right, of just seeing it's like college all over again, where the people around you play to your strengths, want you, want you to be successful, helpful. Um, but the basketball on top of that, I wasn't really, I was coaching uh, while I was still living in Valpo, but working in South Bend, I was coaching my, uh, hi, my two cousins played at Wheeler for the boys. So I was like an assistant on their staff and I'd practice against them uh, during practices, but I got the opportunity So, again, small basketball world, Hoosier State. Sydney Smallbone, who played at Tennessee. Played at Tennessee. She was also one of the girls on our AAU team with Leck. So, we played against her in, right, the the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. Mm -hmm. And then still kept in contact with her. Because, you know, that AAU team, like I said, is just crazy. But we're all, it was just so tight-knit. And it was a family. So, we're all still very cool. And we talk. And... At the time, she was a head coach at South Bend St. Joe, and Melissa Lechleitner was an assistant. And another one of our players who was on our AAU team, uh, Kristen Dockery, who played at Minnesota, um, they were all the coaching staff at St. Joe. And at the, at the time, they, their, their first year all there, and they all played at St. Joe. So they're all alumni. They won the state championship. And 
I went to their games just to, to support. I didn't know any of the girls, obviously. Um, well, I take that back. I did know two. They were on my AAU team that I was coaching. So I'm coaching them in the summer, and they get them in the regular season. They win a state championship. It's just we're, we're all talking smack. It's great to catch up. And then um, Kristen Dockery actually moved out to California. So Sid had asked me if I wanted to join the staff as an assistant. And I'm like, sure, this would be fun. So I end up moving to South Bend, living here, working here, and now I was coaching with two of my old AAU teammates, and it was a blast. It's great to kind of have all the minds together. We were pretty intense just because I think of our background, our the nature of who we are and kind of what we were in high school. And at that point, it's, right, it's fresh. We've already played professionally in college, so we have a ton more. And just trying to feed that knowledge back into these high school players was it was a ton of fun just to be able to do from the bench instead of on the court this time. So uh, I was an assistant for a year and then did got into the Notre Dame grad master's program. So kind of she has her full-time job working in uh, the state of Michigan and couldn't really make that commute anymore and adding working and going back to school. So I took over as the head coach and I've, just finished up my second season as a head coach where we've had ups and downs. We've had to fight through stuff, but I say it's a full-time job just because of I'm very close with the girls. Um, I, a couple of them are going to play in college and you just like to build that bond because I would have, I'm, I'm still close with my old high school coach and I actually played against him this past year. We lost, <clears throat> but it just, it's a, it's the basketball world, right? It, it keeps spinning and it's just adding another layer and layer and layer onto it. And if I can be around it and stay around it, it's something I enjoy doing. And again, just trying to get the most out of girls at that age to where they can better themselves on and off the court. That's great. And I hope your girls appreciate the caliber of coaching that they have. Someone that played at the final four, played someone that played professionally. It's awesome. I think, I think I'm a little too old now. <laughs> uh, you're, you're not cool anymore. I'm not, I'm not so cool anymore. That's uh, a bummer. Well, I, I would have loved to have been coached by someone like you. Thanks. Thank you. Are you available? You want to, Want to you go, know, want to go? I could go back to high school. That'd be fun. I know. I agree. I'd redo it. I'm a little short, but I was a good shooter. I got to get back into shape, but uh, we'll uh, make it happen. Don't we all? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I'm close to 30, but I've got a young-looking face. We might, we might pull it off. Perfect. And, you know, when you talked about helping out at Wheeler with the boys, did you find that the boys listened to you and, and valued your opinion? I think they did just because at the time I was an assistant. So the head coach, you you just have a different mindset. You're very nitpicky. You kind of have to look at the whole concept of what you're trying to do as opposed to one-on-one time as much, right? So Mm -hmm. at an assistant level, I was able to play against them. So I think I kind of earned the respect that way. I was in like really good shape at that time. I just ended overseas so I was still able to lace them up and challenge them right there were cheap shots thrown by them but it was it was fun it was crazy but I will say coaching boys and coaching girls are completely different and yeah I can imagine just, just trying to find that balance of who reacts to what and how you can challenge them that's what I enjoy and I think honestly I I really was successful from a standpoint of on the court 
So I was able to really get at their level because I was in the weeds with them, you know? So I think assistant coaches are extremely important just because they have those details down and maybe they can come from a, a not so high level space where, you know, I'm now in the, in the role of, I'm trying to, trying to still reach out to those girls one-on-ones, talk to them, let them know, but high level in the game, it's like, Hey, I can't have you turn the ball over. Don't turn it over. Right. I can't really Mm -hmm. break it down every single day as much as you would want. I would, I would like to, but it's, it's a challenge and you just need a good support staff around you and girls that want to go to work. That's kind of what makes everyone successful. That hard work. Yeah, for sure. Well, good luck as you continue your uh, high school coaching career. That's Thank you. It should be a roller coaster. That's life, right? (laughs) Exactly. And you're living in South Bend. So do you still follow the Notre Dame girls program? Absolutely. Absolutely. We've gone to a couple games this year. We watch them on TV all the time. Um, I'm hacking my brother's Hulu live account just to get that ACC network. That kind of stinks (laughs) how that's on there. But um, yeah, follow them, support them. Regardless, I've, I've had a couple run-ins with coach. She was at my wedding and then at Melissa Lechleitner's wedding as well. So we were able to kind of chat off record and just kind of, you know, at this point now we're both coaches, completely different levels, right? I'm not even trying to compare, but to be able to talk to her from a coaching standpoint of what you're seeing with girls and you have, you're trying to challenge them, you're trying to nurture them, you're trying to relate to them. It's, it's a great story that again, the basketball world just it's so small and the state of Indiana and it's amazing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm thankful for my experiences and the fact that I'm, I'm at the point where I can now give back and try to help girls go after those same dreams, those same goals, and just try to make sure they're prepared for them at that point in time. Very nice. Becca, I've had such an awesome time talking with you. I like to end the podcast with a couple of fun questions. How does that sound? Can't wait. All right. Tell me a funny story about Muffet McGraw. Oh, man. Oh, man. One that she'd approve of. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Oh, of course, of course. Um, man, that is so tough to pick one. Funny story. I mean, I would just say... Her, her humor is so dry, so sometimes she'd be joking, but you're not really sure if she's for real or not, because she's, she's intense, and she's a very focused coach. She's X's and O's, so I think we had so many times where it was, she got, she's like, guys, no, that was, that was a joke. I was just joking there, and I was like, oh, okay, all right, and, you know, and then you have the awkward times where you think she's joking, and she's like, no, I'm not, and you're like, oh, okay, right, that was wrong. It's hard right. to read. Yeah, but it's, I mean, she's an amazing coach, Hall of Famer, and I mean, just, I'm so thankful for the relationship I had with her and then the one I have with her now because both of them are different challenges and both of them are different perspectives, and I just love the fact that she's still there and supportive of anybody who went through her, her program with whatever they're doing in life. That's great. A great head coach. Yes, absolutely. Next question: Where did you go on your honeymoon? Oh my gosh, I have not. We have not been on our honeymoon yet. Oh really? Yes. So we got married in on October fifth, 
And then my, my high school season started right up and I had tryouts and season started. So this is the sad part. We were just talking about after season ended, right? We could go to Hawaii or try to go somewhere. And then coronavirus broke out and now we're, we should have taken the time when we could have. So we're, we're hoping that this clears up and we can have our little, our little time. Crazy, right? Yeah. Hopefully it clears up soon. Yeah. Everyone, right. Everyone said you, you need to go, you need to go. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, we hear you. We know, but we had just moved the weekend before our wedding. So we were really trying to challenge ourselves as much as possible, obviously. And then to get right back into basketball, full-time job, it was just, it was hard for me to kind of find a break. So it's after season, but we're crossing our fingers and we're still waiting for a good time. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hopefully that comes soon. Yes. Thank you. Last question. What is your favorite movie? Oh man. On it. Okay. I love all the Shreks, all of them. Every single one. Oh, nice. Know every single word can sing every song. So my husband got me like, I had, I had DVDs of them and obviously they're on like TVs, but he got me like this amazing featured all four disc special edition set thing. And I'm just floored by it. I absolutely love it. It was a, a movie that I always watched with my cousins when they were babies. And that's how old I am, right? And now they're all <laughs> grown up and adults. And sometimes we still run it, run it, put it in the TV and then just watch it. So I would say any of the Shrek movies. I'm surprised you didn't say Hoosiers. I know. I know. I agree. And I then like that's against the law in Indiana. Uh, so should I change my answer? <laughs> <laughs> No, I thought I'm about kidding. saying love and basketball because obviously that was a huge one for me too because that came out right when I was in like high school. But I, I love one. all little kid movies. Anything like Disney, that, that's my go-to. I'm still a so kid. So I'm assuming I'm still, you have Disney Plus. I do have Disney Plus, yep. <laughs> Becca, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, I always loved watching you play and to be able to talk to you was, was a great experience. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you reaching out. And again, just for the support and for what you do for women's basketball, bringing awareness and giving people the opportunity to speak on life after basketball. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Becca Brzezewski. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.